The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars podcast. May the Force be with you always. You're listening to the Secrets of Star Wars, episode 132. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Ciolana, and you are listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away, including the deeper themes and meanings. Today, we are diving into episode five of the Andor series. Joining me today are Andrew Hermes. Hello, Andrew. Hey, Angela. Good to be here. Yeah. And also with us is your amigo, um, one of our newest panelists whom we all met a couple weeks ago, Brandon Manderson. Welcome back, Brandon. Hey, how's it going? Happy to be here again. Yeah, and we've got an even newer newbie here with us. <laughs> he is uh, yet another of the uh, man of the cloth with us on Secrets of Star Wars, Father Jeff Horton. Welcome, Father Horton. Thank you. Good to be here. I'm glad to have a semi-newbie here to show me the ropes. <laughs> well, or at least suffer you... with me. Yeah, well, hopefully not too much suffering, lots of fun. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit about your relationship with Star Wars? Sure. Um, I actually saw Star Wars, bef- the original, before it was even episode four. I saw it in the theaters. I was, what, 12 years old at the time. I've seen all the movies. I even saw The Clone Wars, fortunately not in a theater. It could have been worse. Um, <laughs> not necessarily up in all the TV shows. I've read most of the expanded universe books that many of them needed to be retconned out of existence. But my license plates are Kenobi 1 and have been for years. And uh, I just... Everything I say is true from a certain point of view. I don't know. <laughs> so I just, I've just i been following Star Wars for years, played some of the games, all that kind of good stuff. Wow, sounds pretty legit. I mean, I don't even have a license plate with a Star Wars theme, so <laughs> you've got one up on me there. I call my car an X-Wing, even though it isn't. What can you do? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Awesome. Uh, well, I know that this is going to be a great conversation, and... Before we get started, I just want to give a big shout out to Young Aviator, who left a comment on the show via YouTube. And um, he said, Montenegro here, regards from Europe. Well, cheers to you, sir. And thanks for listening from Montenegro. And we also uh, heard from Amy, one of our listeners who is joining the discussion on the SQPN Discord. And I love this connection that she made. She said, Really enjoyed your discussion of episode four. I especially liked your thoughts on the theme of trust and hiding things for self-preservation. I think B2 Emo implied it best last week. It takes a lot of energy to lie. So uh, great. Uh, I, I really like that. I think, um, yeah, goes we'll, well definitely be talking about that. Goes well with today's or this week's show too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. The theme of trust. Um, okay, guys, so there is definitely that theme, and let's jump right into episode five of Andor called The Axe Forgets. I'm sure we'll be discussing that little um, phrase there. But the official summary is being a team player does not come naturally to Cassian, but the daring mission to infiltrate an Imperial garrison requires it of him. The operation has been in the planning stages for months. As the newest member of the mission, Cassian must overcome the prudent distrust of his teammates. So, guys, what was your overall first impression of this fifth episode? And I'd like to start with our uh, oldest member here um, on the panel, Andrew. What do you think? Right on. Um, You know, (laughs) my overall impression of the episode was... um, it was okay. I, I, I appreciate sort of the, I know we're going to get into the themes, you know, of this episode and, 
there, there's a lot of uh, interesting and, and sort of deep things we can get into. And I'm sure we will, but um, just from a perspective of, you know, getting the, the ball rolling, you know, uh, as far as the story, um, like I, I get it's a sl- more of a slow burn kind of show. Um, I guess it's, you know, this is not a Lord of the Rings podcast, but, uh, you know, a, a, a similar type of feeling I've had watching Rings of Power, uh, you know, a show that's premiered around the same time as this one. Um, it was around four and five where I started getting like, well, OK, can we can we get some some plot? Can, can it can it thicken a little bit? Um, and then episode six uh, Rings of Power kind of delivered. So I'm hoping that that's the case for this show for next week. But um, yeah, just overall impression. It's like, uh, you know, I, again, I'm uh, the show does a lot of things. Well, uh, again, a, a lot of stunning uh, cinematography. The performances are all awesome. And, and, you know, the new, uh, uh, crew members that we meet, um, I, I thought they were all, uh, welcome additions to the show. And, uh, I like, uh, the show does a good job of tension. Um, so I, I thought this episode had moments where the tension was very palpable, um, with, uh, with Cassian and the crew members and Mon Mothma and her family. So, uh, that stuff I really appreciated. So not a bad episode by any stretch, but, um, looking forward to the show, uh, developing a, a little more. And by then in the season, Brandon, um, Andrew mentioned the cinematography and everything. Um, and I know you mm-hmm. talked a little bit about that on your first time here on the, on the podcast. What are you thinking now in terms of not only that good old cinematography, but also the character development, the story development, what are you thinking? Um, yeah, well, cinematography has been one of my, probably my favorite part of this whole show, other than the, this episode introducing cereal into Star Wars. Um, and blue milk. And we, we get more <laughs> blue, milk blue milk and yeah. a little bit of like <laughs> blue cocoa puffs or something going on. I thought that was, I've been loving all it the little really details good. in the show that are just like, just building that world of Star Wars and making it feel like that much closer to us. Um, that was it, I, I've been loving that stuff. Um, as far as like the uh, uh, the my impressions of this episode, I I did have to watch this one a second time because I fell asleep the first time watching it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, you know it's it's not the the gun it hasn't been the the gunslinging episode three that we got. Um, but I have really enjoyed the. The, the watching it a second time, I've really enjoyed the the character development and like really, uh, really grabbing onto some of the the themes that we've seen. Um, and like we'll, we'll I'm sure we'll get into that more with like, you know, the axe forgets and um and stuff like that. But uh, really liking the um the the a lot of the character development that we've seen and, and getting to know everybody's uh everybody's why everybody has their own why. Um, Everyone is, has their uh, own rebellion. Everyone has their own rebellion. <laughs> yep. I wrote that one down and that was, uh, uh, that was one that stuck with me for this episode. So yeah, I'm really liking that part. By the Horton, how about you? I'm glad to know I'm not the only one who thought things were going a little slowly. I was thinking, I don't know if you guys have read the wheel of time, but it's like the middle books in there. I just read 400 pages. that could have been a chapter <laughs> <laughs> and I did get some of that feeling. And I actually did rewatch it a second time just to make notes on it. There is more to it than I thought, but I won't be sorry if and when the pace picks up a little bit. I mean, yeah, it, it, and there really was good character development going on. The more when I rewatched it, just everybody having their own reason for the rebellion and, and seeing where they were all coming from and maybe why they had difficulty trusting the guy dropped in at the last minute. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely building up anticipation. Um, I I appreciated what the episode did for all of the relationships in the series, um, which is important. Like you were saying, character development. You know, there there weren't a lot of big reveals or developments. But, um, you know, at first I thought, well, this kind of makes this episode forgettable. But as I was thinking about it, I also realized that this is kind of how our daily lives and relationships develop over time. Um, it's not these big, huge things that happen. Um, and maybe we're kind of used to that with the series that we've been seeing in Star Wars and the movies that we've been seeing in Star Wars very recently. So it's interesting to be on the journey with these characters in this new kind of way. 
um, I heard someone else observe that they think the writers are using this um, three episode arc sort of formula because we do have 12 episodes in the series. We got our first kind of big uh, action packed episode in episode three. So thinking that episode six will be the next one and then probably episode nine and episode 12. So that's what I'm uh, subscribing to right now. Mm -hmm. I saw that same kind of thing written somewhere that basically it's each a 96 minute TV show or two hour TV show with commercials, which which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'd like to go ahead and get started talking about that character development and those stories and relationships. Um, and, you know, we do start off with the milk and the cereal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> former Deputy Inspector Karn, now simply Cyril, as his mother um, says very often. And he seems to really, I think, be boiling to esteem at this point. <laughs> he is just boiling. So what did you all think that, well, why why would the showrunners choose to focus on these conversations with his mother at home at this time for this character. Um, what are what are your thoughts on Cyril right now and his mom? Yeah, and I was kind of lost with what was going on there. I mean, I, I we don't want to forget he exists, but I also know we haven't heard a thing about um, Andrew's sister for the past two episodes, so I don't know why we need to keep a close eye on him and not have anything else going on, so... Yeah, I didn't exactly get it, except if they're setting pieces in place for something further on, okay. Uh, that was kind of the, the same impression that I had. Um, uh, I think it's it's really, and I think that, I mean, his his mom kept, you know, bringing up people from the past, too, you know, and just all these things that seemed so irrelevant to him. He, you can tell that he was just so, just like he was, he just had, did not have his mind on any of that stuff. And you can tell later on in the show, he's just looking at this you know, hologram of Cassian, you know, that this guy's really gotten to him. Um, and, uh, it's kind of, it's funny to see that, that fall from grace. These guys really like the first couple episodes, he, he really thought that he was this big kind of character doing like, with like this huge story going on. And then now he's back at home eating cereal with his mom. You know, I feel like I can relate to that big time. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I do agree though. I think it's, I, I, I'm sure they're setting something up for for his character and and Cassian and um uh, I, I I am excited to kind of see where where that goes because I I don't know yet. Yeah, I think that, uh, of course uh, there are more plans for him. I think we wouldn't have these sort of intimate moments with him uh, if that wasn't the case. Um, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, these sorts of scenes can hum- you know humanize as a character. You can you can obviously see the relationship he has with his mother, who's, you know, a bit odd and, and, in the way that, uh, she, she really trusts her intuition. And, uh, <laughs> but I mean, what's funny is that he, he's, he's also not afraid to talk back. You know, he, he, he has some, uh, uh, some tough words for her as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's, yeah, whatever, whatever ends up, uh, whether this is something where we're just, having a day in the life uh, of Cyril or um, whether his mom plays a bigger role is, is one question. But I think if any, at the very least, we're just seeing sort of how this guy operates, what's his mindset. And right now he, like, like you mentioned, Brandon, he, his, his eyes are solely set on, on Cassian and um, there, there's nothing uh, that's going to get in his way. Um Except for some delicious blue milk and cereal. (laughs) (laughs) It looked really good. (laughs) Yeah. It did look good. Yeah. Oh, I bet you they're going to be selling that at Disney. Oh, (laughs) Oh, no doubt. With blue milk. With blue milk. milk. Yeah. Blue milk. Well, they're already serving blue milk. I understand. (laughs) Good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So um, as far as what I I thought of this, I think, um, you know, one of the things that I noticed about the mother, um, I think her name was Edith, was that she was, it was basically she was having a monologue <laughs> and kind of assuming a lot of things about her son. Um, to me, when I looked back at that conversation, as well as a lot of the things that happened overall in this episode, 
I thought that there was a theme about what does it mean to know a person? Um, you know, we, we can talk about, about that more going forward, uh, but we see that he and his mother are literally on opposite sides of the kitchen table. And again, she is just assuming that she knows him. She knows what he needs. You know, I need to call uncle so-and-so. And, um, so I, I really thought that, yeah, there's definitely something, something going on there that they're setting up. Um, maybe, I don't know, some people have speculated, is he going into the rebellion? Is he going to cast off on his own? I'm really curious to see, but um, I do think it was intentional having those conversations in this particular episode because we talked a lot about, um, or the characters talked a lot about, what about knowing someone um, and, and trusting someone. So speaking of that, um, there's this character who demonstrates an aggressive need to know more about Cassian <laughs> um, Skeen. So what do you guys make of this character that we got to know a lot more about? And why do you think he is so important to this team and this story overall, if you have any thoughts on that? Well, there's a good chance that well, we know Cassian eventually dies and there's a good chance that all these people die. And, you know, and for, for a, uh, a revolution, like, like the rebellion, you know, you're going to need someone to write all these events down. And, and the fact that he, he's writing this manifesto and he's keeping all these events in track, it, it could play a part, you know, and, and whether it, it reveals itself later on in this show or, or in another one. So um, that, I think you're thinking of Nemec. Yeah. But oh, I'm sorry. About I am totally Steve thinking of Nemec. The, <laughs> the, the guy with um, the tattoos. Yeah. The guy with the tattoos. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, you can, you can copy and paste my thoughts. When we're talking about skiing. <laughs> I have him next <laughs> on the about Nemec, I mean, um, I was really yeah. impressed with how well he was. The actor playing him did with that too. It was mm-hmm. just very, very believable. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. You're talking about Nemec, the schemed guy. Skeen. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was definitely believable, 100. percent Um, what? I mean, do you have any thoughts, any theories about his tattoos? What his what his past was? And Did I actually checked the Google on this today, and okay. there's all kinds of speculation. Nobody has much. Um. Sounds to some degree like both he and Cassian overlap with the battle where Han met Chewie in the unfortunate Solo movie. Mm-hmm. So there might be connections in there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the very least, it's it's like, you know, he these are like gangs that he ran with and, you know, in prison. Um, and, uh, you know, there could be uh, like a Mandalorian connection, you know, I mean, obviously uh, with the Kray Dragon. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously someone like him, whenever a character like that comes into the fold on any show with like a bunch of tattoos and is like kind of rough around the edges, there's always Mm -hmm. something else going on. So um, Creed is a Tatooine reference though, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. So we might have a Tatooine connection in there somewhere too. True. Brandon, it always goes back. It always goes back to, goes back to Tatooine. It always goes back to Tatooine. Yeah. (laughs) Brandon, do you have any thoughts on this character? I think that, um. I think that the character, I think he, you know that he, he sees through Cassian um, and he really just doesn't trust him. So he's like, like really pointing out like the fact that he's just like standing there shirtless and he's like, you're looking at my tattoos. He's like, you know what they mean because you're looking at them. Um, I think that he's like really, I think that that's, I, I kind of got lost in the, in the dialogue when they were talking about the, what they all meant. Um, uh, and stuff like that. So, um, but what I, what I really pulled from it was that, uh, you know, he has this desire to trust people and like for this cause. Um, but he knows that Cassian's not just some regular guy. He just, it's just all like, obviously there's something off with him. Nobody's trusting him. Um, uh, so that, that's kind of all that I could really pull from it. Um, yeah. So. 
Well, Cassian's building up that distrust too by anytime anybody goes near his stuff or touches him. I mean, he does. He does not want to be known. He does not want you messing with his stuff. He does not want you to get close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of vulnerability going on. I think underneath the surface um, with all of these people, um, particularly with Skeen, and we see into his soul a little bit when he um, reveals the story about his brother. Um, and and again, I thought it was interesting on that theme of like, what does it mean to know a person when basically this was like the reconciliation between Skeen and Cassian where he's like, okay, Vel wants me to tell you this, so here goes. And he becomes very vulnerable and it's a very sad story. Um, and then after that, Cassian just kind of asks, you know, what kind of farmer and and that's it. You know, it seems like Skeen is satisfied with that. Um, so <laughs> I'm wondering why that is. Is it just because, again, with the thought of what does it mean to know a person? Is it really just about trust? You know, is it about like, hey, you told me something about yourself. Here's something about me and my past. And um, something that, you know, they're both, they both show some vulnerability um, with each other. So um, I thought that was, that was a big moment um, for both of them. I thought Cassian reaching out and asking the follow-up question was a real sign of trying to make the contact. You know, he doesn't, why does he care what kind of farm it was? He doesn't, but he wants to show that it's not just a random story he's being told, that it is something that matters to him. Right. And so, yes, we we definitely learned a lot about skiing. We also learned more about Nemec as, as we began um, just a little while ago talking about. Um, he's the quote-unquote true believer of the group. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit more about, I think the, the actor here also did very well. Um, he, he clearly is the kind of young idealist, um, of the group and he has these certain attitudes and values. Um, so what, what did you think about him and his, his old Polaroid camera? That's now a navigation device. <laughs> I love it. I, I love the sound. I love the way it popped up. It was really cool. Um, uh, I, I really, I, I really appreciated the, him talking about like, you know, if it's, he's like, it's something that can't track you. It's like, if it breaks, you fix it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. and that's kind of like, really feels like the, you know, like the motto for the rebellion, you know, it's like, it's like this, we don't have, we don't have all these people like just giving us stuff, you know, we've, we, we're not relying on, on this kind of stuff. And he has that like true rebel mentality, you know? Um, but I do think that, um, that can also fall into that, like, that, like, almost like I can, I can do it myself kind of thing that the mentality is, uh, could also be, could be a downfall as well. Um, uh, because then that's kind of a lack of, of trust. Um, but it is, uh, it is kind of that, that rebel mindset. So you can tell that he's, you know, he's working with, with the rebels and stuff, but at the same time, um, you can like within some of the, some of the words that he said that you can tell that he's like, I'll just, I can do things on my own kind of thing. I I got this old technology that I know how to use. And then this book that I can, that I write everything else in. Um, so it's, uh, that was, that was kind of, uh, uh, the, the character that I, that I got from him. So, but very, yeah, very, very cool technology. I mean, it was, I love the way that sounded and the way, yeah, the way it looks is great. It's was interesting. He's the only character I think we have so far who's given an ideological reason for being part of the rebellion rather than just some reason or other to hate the empire. He has a speech about elemental rights, which would be interesting to know what he thinks those are. Um, He's in it for liberty. In fact, I keep waiting for him to say, come and see the violence inherent in the system or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but he really, he has, he, he's the one person I can see with a positive, this is what I want to get out of the rebellion versus just, I want to tear down the empire. Yeah. It's interesting to see like the conversations that he has with Cassian, you know, Cassian, uh, like he doesn't have uh, his full fledged, full fleshed out beliefs yet. And, and, you know, he's, he's 
you know, he's talking to someone who, you know, like you guys mentioned, he so who's so sure of what he believes in and 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 knows like how important it is to to document the totalitarianism of the the empire and and uh by right you know making sure that you know uh, that future generations learn from these mistakes um so history doesn't repeat itself um and uh you know we uh, that's something that's relatable to uh to real life you know we we constantly look to history to you know whenever whether it's something that's uh, happening on a national level or international level, like there's always something to look back to. Um, and, you know, unfortunately more times than not history does repeat itself um, in one way or the other, but uh, at least we, it's easier to point out um, like evils and atrocities and, and to not be fooled by, uh, you know, uh, some big, you know, bad, uh, evil propaganda machine like the empire so um yeah it's interesting to see that that interaction between them what's he say it's easier to cover up 40 atrocities than one or something along those lines he yeah. said it's mm-hmm. easier to hide behind 40 thank you atrocities. thank you thank you yeah than a single event um he the quote that i wrote down was the pace of repression undermines our ability to understand it and that that's the the methodology i think that was very relevant to today. I feel like we are potentially bombarded with information about atrocities or injustices all over the world nowadays, like 24 seven through our smartphones or, you know, whatever media we're consuming. And it's very common. It's very natural to simply get used to hearing about it, you know, and not, not to do anything. We almost become numb to these injustices that we hear about. And, and so, um, I felt like that that was almost a commentary on contemporary society, you know, um, it, you you hear about in the news, there's, uh, people that have connections to fascism or are gaining leadership positions all over the world. And so I think that was very intentional, um, on the writer's parts to, to include, um, but I wanted to kind of touch on what you were saying, um, Andrew, because, you know, as we go into looking at Cassian as a character, there's there's a lot that we are learning about him. But um, last week, we touched on the idea of Cassian as an, a migrant and how that affects a person. Um, and this is, you know, tying into the, the idea of injustice and also his value system is not fully developed yet i think because he's still in kind of survival mode at this point um i wanted to to talk a little bit to you about this andrew because you've talked about in the past about how your family came from iraq and um i was wondering if you if you could see any of the connection with with the character of cassian just based off of like family history, um, stories that you've heard. Um, you know, I, I quoted Diego Luna last week about how, um, the life of a migrant affects what you're willing to do. So I don't know if you have any thoughts that you want to share on that. Absolutely. I mean, if, if you think about, I mean, not just my family, uh, any Chaldean, uh, immigrant story, um, or, or any, uh, Christian or my, or religious minority from that region that's, that's come to America in the last, you know, 50 some odd years, uh, at the very least, they've come to this country because of, uh, the atrocities that, that, that are going on in that region and, uh, have really been happening there nonstop. You could almost say for 2000 years, <laughs> but, uh, especially in the, in the modern era, you know, you have the the first Gulf war and then the second Gulf war and ISIS. And, uh, you know, it, 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 there's like things you don't even hear about on the news, um, that, that are going on. You know, my parents, uh, you know, they both have their own stories cause they, they, they met and got married in America, but you know, it's any, almost any story. Again, you ask uh, someone from that region, why they come to America and what they were willing to do. They left everything. They left, 
their homes. They left their businesses if they had them. They left their friends and uh, other family members who decided to stay. So they they left everything because they believed in, uh, you know, having freedom was, was was that important to them and having opportunity and being treated like uh, an equal, being treated uh, humanely was was more important and and uh was more valuable than than any dollar sign uh, or 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 any any uh any possession that they had so um yeah i've heard you know those stories endless amounts of times and and it's it's not just specific to you know the the middle east i mean for if you ask almost any immigrant today why why they come here it's it's a similar story whether it's on a whether they're afraid of war or whether they're, you know, just they're under a fascist, you know, or dictatorship type of regime, um, uh, whatever it may be. And whether it's just, just not having opportunity, you know, just where, where there's, uh, the poverty level is so high and like the, the, the sort of distance between the poor and the rich is, is, is so, so preposterous that it just doesn't make the doesn't make life seem fair. And, um, and yeah, Cassian is, you know, looking for something because he knows where he, where he comes from and the glimpses that we get from his, uh, you know, his childhood and, and his upbringing, we see how tough it was. And we see like the, the sort of, we're seeing the origins of, of, uh, of his motivation to be part of this rebellion. Obviously we know where it ends. Um, and we, now we're getting to see the story of, of where that passion comes from and, and where those, uh, uh, beliefs are. And, and, and like, like most immigrants, like my, my parents having lived here for decades now, uh, you know, their, their beliefs and, and feelings about, uh, you know, this, whether it's this country and, and thinking about their country back home evolves all the time. Um, and, uh, but one thing that they always hold true in and hold true to and strongly believe in is being able to be, to live freely and to have equal opportunity. And I think if you were going to boil down any sort of, uh, type of rebellion or, uh, any sort of opposition to a, uh, fascist type regime. That's, that's, that's really the aim is just having freedom and equal opportunity. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, the, uh, that's a topic that Pope Francis has been talking about a lot. And so I've been, I've been listening to what he's been saying, basically underlining the idea of sacrifice. Um, and that, that comes with the life of a migrant. So, um, I'll open it up to the rest of the panel now to, to continue talking about Cassian. Um, in particular, Father Horton, since you haven't spoken um, before on the podcast, um, what have we learned about this character whom we really barely knew prior to the series? Um, what what characteristics do you see in him? Definitely, he's still developing. But um, what what would you say to that? And also... I think we can start talking about the the title of the episode as well, The Axe Forgets. Yeah. And I don't think at this point Cassian knows who he is. So it makes it hard. If you don't know who you are, it makes it hard to relate to others. He's so used to putting on a facade for whoever he's working with that when he's with this smaller group and the facade won't carry, uh, he doesn't know how to respond. It's just, it's a new environment for him. And I think that's what leads to some of that get away from my stuff, don't touch me, don't touch my stuff, whatever. he is not comfortable with himself. He's learning who he is. And learning who you are is a tough process. And it takes sometimes those confrontations to go through and, and learn who you are, uh, to learn that you have to trust other people, to learn that you're going to have to not have everything your way, that you will have to listen to what's his name when they split. I don't, I'm terrible with names. Tramian, is that what I'm thinking of? Something like that. Oh, Terraman. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That you're going to have to listen to him and you're going to have to take orders even if you don't want to. And this is all, he's used to being his own man and this is all all new to him and he's really having to grow into it to reach the point where he can be the guy who lays down his life at the end of Rogue One. Yeah. Um, Brandon, what are, what are you learning? Did you learn anything new about Cassian that, 
really struck you um, during this episode? Yeah, I think that uh, a couple of things that really stuck out to me are, well, one, he's like very, very observant and he's always aware of things going on, like so much to the, to the point where he knew like when people were right and left handed and which, which way they should be standing. Like he said, like she was left-handed or she was right-handed, but shoots left-handed. Um, and he could just know that just from being so observant. And I think that comes from his kind of just like, he needs to be scrappy and he needs to be able to survive his survival, um, instincts. Um, uh, and then the other thing, um, is almost, uh, we see him, uh, you know, trying to like, almost like flirting with one of the, the women in the, um, in the, in the group. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, I saw that almost as like a, that almost being like a, a self-medicating thing. Like he felt uncomfortable there and he, so he was like, Oh, and we, we know this about him through earlier in the show is that this is, uh, you know, he's, um, you know, he's, he's talked to a lot of, you know, different people, like had relationships and romantic relationships with a lot of people. Um, and so to me, I saw that almost as like a, uh, you know, he's like, well, I'm here. I might as well, you know, talk to this, this person who doesn't know me. Um, so I saw that almost as like a, uh, as a self, like kind of a, just a, a coping mechanism for his uncomfortableness within the, within this place. Um, so those were the two, two, two things that I, that I really picked out from, from Cassian in this. Right. Yeah. I think, um, he is still in that mode of survival, as I mentioned earlier, and I feel like that's another reason why um, he doesn't want people to touch his things, because basically everything that matters to him, besides his mother, I suppose, and his sister, are in the bag that that he has that he's carrying around. And the other thing about it is that he, again, we've talked about this multiple times, but he didn't choose to come here in the first place. He he didn't choose to go with Luthen. He really is, again, just like when he was a kid, he's finding himself in the situation that he did not choose. And I suppose, you know, is that an injustice? Is it not? Probably not exactly. Um, but in a way, it kind of, you know, it, it opens my eyes to more about this guy that we met in Rogue One who was willing to do whatever it took just to get the job done. And it's a wonder that he was so, um, at first in Rogue One, he was so committed to following orders uh, from someone else <laughs> because it seems like he's very headstrong right now. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are also picking up on that. I noticed too, um, when he's pressing why he's there, he just sounds like Han Solo. I'm in this for the money. And so I wonder if there's supposed to be a similar character arc developing there where we have this, I'll do it for the money, and then eventually buys into the whole thing that's going on. Yeah, that's a nice parallel there. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, it is hard for him not to be so uh, headstrong because he realizes he's he's smarter than all these people i mean at least in he knows how to fly an uh, you know uh, an em- a ship uh, you know uh, an empire and an, an, a ship from the empire and he he's like man are you guys serious like there's is there's only this many of you and you guys is this a test or do you guys really not know how to fly this thing um yeah so those sorts of things are are really not gonna <laughs> help push him forward to the the Cassian that we see in Rogue One but um I'm sure we're going to see him eat a lot of humble pie uh throughout <laughs> this the show um because again the we know where the story ends and and where the evolution ends up so um it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic works where he sometimes feels like uh, he knows what the right thing to do is. And will he be able to, again, this whole trust thing, will he trust someone else um, with uh, his life in their hands? Um, so I'm, I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, opportunities for that uh, going forward. 
Yeah. And, and talking about the axe forgets, but the tree remembers. Each one of these people, as we mentioned earlier, have some story that they remember this trauma, whatever it was that happened to them, to their family. Um, we even see that with um, former Deputy Inspector Karn and the fact that he was he feels very wronged. He feels like, you know, the the axe just forgot about me, you know, but he, there he is with with Cassian's hologram, uh, holocron and hol- no, not holocron. Hologram. Hologram. <laughs> um, but, you know, this this whole idea that um, the tree remembers, it, it's almost like they're planting the seed for us by by having that line spoken um, in this particular episode for future sort of bringing that back up again so that we see how I mean, we we saw very briefly um, there were two ISB scenes. There was one scene with Dedra, which we'll get to, but um, there was another scene back on um, on the planet where they were searching for Cassian. They made a mess, blah, 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 blah. They're just, they, they don't care that there was a lot of people that, you know, were hurt, that there was somebody that was killed. It was just sort of like, you know, brush everything up, clean it up. Let's get going. Let's get our base operating here. Um, I mean, we that was that was the attitude. That was the mindset. So um, the axe forgets, right? Yeah, I think all these characters had their quote unquote axe, you know, right? Um, you see that with uh, Mon Mothma and her husband, you know, being the axe, right? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think the... Obviously, the overall sort of analogy is probably goes for the whole rebellion, the whole co- like the, the whole cause for the rebellion. Uh, you know, I think it would be a good like motto for them. Uh, but we see it in all these different scenes and, and uh, you know, character moments, uh, starting with with Cyril and, and Mon Mothma and, and Cassian and, and the crew. Uh, they all have their their little axes to to bear. Yeah. Um, So let's talk about the ISB. And in particular, we had um, we had Dedra trying to piece together what the nascent rebellion is up to. Um, I I decided to look up her her name, meaning I I've heard the name Deidre before. And I was curious if Dedra is related um, and if that's related to her character. and. I found that it's the a form of an old Irish name, meaning daughter or woman. And now there's a new meaning uh, that's come up in the last few centuries, brokenhearted or sorrowful. Um, it's based on the legend of a woman who died of a broken heart. Um, so to me, I'm not sure if that was, you know, included in, in thought of um, when they were writing her, her character, but it does seem like she has an axe to grind. <laughs> Speaking of axes, um, I want to say she's like a character where you can really like her, but also hate her at the same time. Um, what are you guys thinking when when you're seeing Dedra come up on on the screen? Do you think that it's intentional from the writers that we we want to kind of root for her to find the answer or do we just not want her to at all? It's a good question. Are you rooting for her? Are you excited for her to find something to further the story? Or are you hoping that the rebellion is just going to be um, lucky and continue to be lucky? I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. It's, it's, it says a lot about the show that there's characters like, like hers where you, you kind of don't know what to think yet. You know, it's not like they're clear. There's not a lot of clear villains yet on the show. There's, and there's not, really a clear, clear heroes. Like we know Cassian ends up being heroic and, and all that. And the rebellion is, is a worthy cause. Um, but you're seeing people, you know, that are part of each side, um, that have a lot of flaws that have, uh, you know, questionable beliefs. Um, and you just, uh, it's, again, as I think that's the brilliance of the show so far is that it, it lives, it lives on that, 
that middle ground, that gray area, and it allows us to have conversations like this. I wonder if, especially when I see the ISB and the Imperials, are we, and we, uh, Lucas definitely built the empire off the Nazi Germany model, among other things. Are we going back to the whole banality of evil thing that nobody in the empire, except maybe at the very top, is dedicated to being evil? They're just functionaries trying to do their job. I don't necessarily buy the whole banality of evil line anyway, but that, that's really the impression I keep getting that these people are just, I mean, the whiny guy on the planet, can I be the prefect? You know, it's, just, it's <laughs> not, not people wanting big, glorious things, it's people going along trying to do their job and not realizing or not wanting to admit what it involves. Yeah, Brandon, you're shaking, you're nodding your head there. What are you thinking? Yeah, that was that was actually something that I was I had been thinking about a lot during the show is that the show has so many grounded elements to it, like really grounds the Empire and really grounds like Star Wars. Like they don't know that there's like this old guy that can shoot lightning out of his hands. That's like directing all of this kind of stuff. Um, so to me, it's like, it's funny. It's like, who do they even know who they're fighting for and what is, what is going on? So it's, it really brings in that, that gray area to me. So I was, I was actually thinking about that earlier today, like just laughing about like Palpatine's over here sitting in his, in his like spinny chair, you know, with, and he can shoot, uh, lightning out of his hands and he has you know people who don't even know what they're <laughs> what they're doing so uh uh and there's there's people in the forest like plotting that an entire thing to get one ship you know so it's it's uh i i think just like it bringing up those those types of things is um is is really interesting to me that this 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 show is doing like who what what are do you know what you're fighting for is there can you really dig into it i can only yeah that's that's well, that's definitely a difference between the Empire and the Rebellion, isn't it? That mm. um, it's very few people in the in the Empire who seem to be truly um, personally invested <laughs> in the cause of their organization, whereas those who are involved in the Rebellion, um, as we've been talking about through this whole show, they have something. And we haven't discussed the lieutenant who's helping them. But there were some really great scenes with him in this episode um, to, to see how he is trying to, um, I think, plant some seeds in the minds of his um, underlings that he's he's not the one orchestrating <laughs> this situation where there would be very few employees in the, in the facility um, when when they're casting and the team's mission uh, takes place. Um, he also has, has a personal story behind that as well. Um, any thoughts on, on that particular character before we move on? I thought the scene where he was chatting with his underlings and saying all the people would gather and you could smell them and it's too bad. And knowing his backstory, just why don't we rub a little more salt into the wound there? So I thought that was a well-played touch. Why he's not an imperial at heart? Yeah, I thought I thought it was interesting too, just to see the contrast between him and and Deidre, where you know he's you know he's able to like lord himself you know all over the place, and and he he was able to climb up the ladder, and and she was you know kind of never offered that. So uh, I think the show is is making it a point to to make that that comparison, that contrast between those two. I felt that he didn't it it I mean I think you know in his 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 story in his life uh the event that that led him away from the empire was was he he had a relationship with somebody and then they said they took him away and then she left him and then he was like all right I'm done with the empire now so I think it in like terms of like the empire like didn't really take a whole lot to really dissuade him from the empire but it was that interesting personal like that personal choice that that had and it was like that personal thing because you know relationships and and family and things like that has been such a heavy theme on this um that he was really it seems like he was really just kind of looking for for love and then it was taken away from him because of the empire like kind of because of the empire and then he was like, all right, I'm done with these guys now. 
Uh, so I thought it was, I thought it didn't take too much to dissuade him from his job. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, just my initial thoughts on him. Right. It's, it's a contrast between treating someone as an object versus treating someone with dignity. And, um, clearly the empire doesn't care what happens in the personal lives of their employees. They just want to get the job done. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, since you, you brought up family, let's talk about Mon Mothma. Um, not that I don't know, you know, Father Horton, if you, if you're marriage and family therapist, but I don't think any of us are, um, <laughs> what's going to happen to this poor family? <laughs> he never, uh, in later sh- uh, shows and everything I've read, I mean, he never shows up again. So obviously it's, there's no communication going on on multiple levels and whatever has led her to help with the rebellion means nothing to him. And so there's no trust there either since we're talking about trust issues. I think that it's it's interesting that a, a character uh, like Mon Mothma would end up with, with him in the first place because they are so different. Um, so I think that's initially what, you know, we know we know this character, you know, episode four, episode, or, yeah, New Hope, uh, episode three, and a little bit in, in Rebels um, and Clone Wars. And so... I think it's just, a, it's an interesting, you know, it's, it's just interesting how, how she could have ended up with, with a character like this, who really doesn't care what she has to say, has very different ideals. Um, and, uh, and you can tell that it, it really does affect her, you know, maybe, maybe pushing her more towards that rebellion and, and, and towards that, that could be her, you know, that could be her her why that could be her reason to be a rebel her her own rebellion you know um along with you know believing in the actual rebellion but uh yeah i just thought found that to be an interesting contrast of of characters yeah arranged marriages are not a good idea <laughs> um yeah i i think on one hand it's 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 not a surprise that you know they were married you know when they were 16 i think Right. And they were, uh, it was basically, it was arranged. And, um, so you can easily see the sort of difficulties with that, but at the same time, it, it is interesting to, to see why he's, he's so keen on, you know, pitting his, you know, their daughter against her and, and what are, what are his, is there something else behind that? You know, is, is it more than just, uh, you know, a, a silly, you know, uh, power thing, or is there something more behind it? Well, I think the power uh, point that you bring up is interesting because certainly um, he may feel emasculated. He may feel like he doesn't have influence over anything except his household. And so um, what he tries to do is to, um, and maybe he's not even trying it intentionally. Maybe it's just that, Lydra, I believe the daughter's name, um, that she's just picking it up from her father. Um, this idea that it's all about Mon Mothma and what she's doing. Um, so what I understood that particular situation to be was that it seems like Lydra had some sort of event and, um, Mon Mothma was planning on taking her to this event, but, uh, Lydra just said no because uh, you're you're just doing it so that uh, people will think that you're involved with me. That was kind of how I read it. Is that how you all um, saw that as well, or did you perceive that situation to be something a little different? It looks to me, and obviously non-Star Wars terms, but the way original sin disrupts family relationships and disrupts personal relationships. It, it, it tend to be about others. We are more and more about ourselves. And so uh, Perrin, is that the husband's name, is perfectly happy to draw his daughter in to use her against Mon Mothma and just all these relationships where people are no longer interested in each other. They're just interested in themselves. And that's what I really see playing out there. No, I'm not a family therapist, but I guess I do see some things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that's that's basically how i i took it as well um i see it as 
I, I can also see it as, you know, uh, Mon Mothma is like really maybe, maybe her, maybe her daughter and husband feel neglected by her because she's, you know, being pulled into so many different directions, you know, and that's, um, uh, and she's, you know, she's a politician, you know, she's, she's doing a lot of, uh, you know, work around everywhere. Maybe she doesn't feel, maybe they don't feel that connection. So, um, that could be, um, another thing, you know, it's, it's that interesting concept of, of working and dedicating your life to your family as well. Um, which is, uh, an, an interesting topic to actually to go that the show is deciding to go in uh, that I, that I see, you know, yeah, it's kind of difficult to devote yourself entirely to the political causes um, and then also entirely to your family, I would imagine. <laughs> um, so she certainly is sacrificing a lot for um, for the cause of, of people in other planets and other situations um, and other families. And I, I kind of sympathize um, with, I empathize with the the, the family, um, but I don't think they're going about it with conflict resolution the proper way. <laughs> 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 Definitely could improve on that a little bit. Um, and then finally, we really the character that we talked about a lot last week, um, Luthen, we, we close with him in this episode where he is trying to search the airwaves for any sign of, of problems with, with the mission um, on Aldani. And he and his assistant have this interesting discussion on the eve of the mission. Um, They talk about how both Vel and Cassian quote trace back. I wasn't sure what that meant. Do you guys have any theories or understandings about what that means and if not um what are you thinking about Luthen? where does he come from what is his motivation how do we foresee this mission going there's a lot that we could discuss there maybe not a lot to discuss <laughs> <laughs> I did, the one thing that struck me from that whole scene was at the very end it's never going to be perfect and that's kind of the story of the rebellion is they're just going to have to do what they can the best they can. And some of it's going to work and some of it's not. And that's why the, I remember when Rogue One came out, uh, I think it was Steve Gradonis was a little disappointed, said this is, you know, darker than Star Wars is supposed to be. But you can't, we can't always be the happy farm boy uh, showing up and having magical force powers. There is a, a real underside to it and real people making real decisions with real struggles. And life is never going to be perfect. And Luthen has trouble, I think, dealing with that. He wants all his plans to just click right through. You know, he can force Cassian into that team and Vel has to take it or go home. But at some point he realizes it's out of his control and he's just got to let what happens, happens. I wasn't quite right English, but close enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point, Father. I think um, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's... I think Luthen just, he's just so nervous. Um, he, he wants everything to to go perfectly. Um, you know, he's sort of questioning, uh, like thinking that he, Oh, it's too late. He brought Cassian in too late, you know? Um, and you know, he can't, uh, when you, when you're, when you're on a mission, like the, the rebellion is, is on like the one that they're on. It's, you kind of just have to roll with what you got and, uh, try to make the best of it. And, um, that's, that's really a common theme throughout any, throughout all of Star Wars. And, uh, this is a, it's, it's there's always like a rambunctious sort of very flawed, very, uh, confused, not ready type of crew. That's that, that finds themselves on like a, galaxy <laughs> sort of a, a galaxy level uh survival mission um that you know they're facing threats that they don't even know about yet um so it, it it's it's the ultimate star wars uh um way of telling the hero's journey and and their story uh it's it's not going to be 
uh, very cookie cutter. Um, you know, this, this is not like a Captain America, Superman type type of thing. These are not people with with special powers. These are not, uh, especially in this show, these are not Je- these are not Jedi's. They're, they're they're no one like that. So um, it's it's again uh, uh, Star Wars leaning into this sort of thing uh, is something that they're able to do um, on a streaming platform. You know, cinematically, obviously, the like you mentioned, Father, there might be some people out there that are like, oh, Star Wars, this is too dark for Star Wars and doesn't interest me. Well, you know, it's that's the beauty of streaming. It doesn't have to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, and obviously, this is not aimed for children. Uh, so it's uh, with the type of content they can uh, spill out now. You know, we're not having to wait for a movie every, you know, three years and then wait 20 years between a trilogy. You're like now we're getting a new Star Wars show every other month, basically practically. Um, they can take shots like this and chances like uh like this. So um yeah, it's it's always welcome. Brandon, do you feel like this is Star Wars uh that we all know and love? Uh I think it's it's much different than I mean there elements of it are are Star Wars that we know and love, and I think that uh like Andrew was saying, like, you know, it's 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 a risk and I'm I'm happy they're taking it um to see you know it's i'm happy they're taking this 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 type of risk because this is a much a much more mature show even just in the way that it is written with the dialogue um being like so heavily like based on the dialogue um that like like i have to go back and rewatch scenes because things are going over my head um and so that's just you know we we've, we've seen that within star wars and stuff like that but it's uh you know, written differently, it's shot differently. It's 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 a different type of Star Wars. It's more uh more modern type of Star Wars. But um uh yeah, I, I welcome the I welcome the 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 risk taking on it. Just yeah, I think it's um it's it's a refreshing take on it. And that's something I was wondering about is you know what makes this show Star Wars? It is, but you know, just having Mon Mothma and uh Cassian in it that doesn't make it Star Wars. What makes it Star Wars? And I can't put my finger on it, but it is. It is a Star Wars show. <laughs> well, I mean, I think one theme that we continue to talk about is trust, but another name for that that we could say and that I think of as a Catholic is faith. Um, and that is very much Star Wars to me is is having faith and believing in something greater than yourself. Um, We haven't seen the force really um, explicitly mentioned in the show yet. But I think even in these, you know, areas where there's a lot of survival, uh, life and death situations, you know, people just uh, struggling, you know, with Cassian at the very beginning of his life as a child, in this terrible situation where it's just kids trying to, you know, uh, make it on their own and defend themselves. You know, this is kind of the underbelly of the underbelly of Star Wars. And yet we're talking about really what does it mean to have faith in someone and have faith in something? And how do you grow in faith, you know, in a way? Um, Because, I mean, for me, Faith is about trusting in God and in another person, in um, in my values, you know. So I, I find that particular theme to be very much a Star Wars theme that George Lucas certainly wanted to convey. Um, so we're getting it, but we're getting it in a different way. Amen. That <laughs> yeah, that was, that was great. I totally agree on that. All right, cool. Well, I guess that's a good way to end it. Um, do you guys have any final reflections, any other observations you wanted to mention before we uh, wrap it up here? Nothing deep and profound, but I really love the low TIE fighter pass over the valley. That was cool to watch. Yes, There's that, was that awesome. uh, mock loop in Wales where the Royal Air Force flies jets flow, uh, low and fast. And it's, it reminds me of that. And that was an awesome visual bit there. Yeah, again, I'm just uh, 
I think that was a, a cool observation. I forgot to mention earlier that thing was you father where it's, th- these are kind of grouped into, you know, 90, 96 minute uh, movies every three episodes. So next week being episode six, I'm hoping for uh, the same sort of uh, plot moving action filled, uh, s- you know, story that we got in episode three. Um, and uh that that'll you know keep me invested in the show. Not that I'm not invested, uh, but uh, I think in order for for me to feel really good about where the show is heading, I think it needs to have some sort of uh, more plot thickening and um, doesn't have to be fully action packed. You know, I, I I do love the the quieter scenes as much as anyone else, um, but as long as the story is moving along, I think that's just what I'm looking forward to next week. And I'm uh, highly anticipating the return of B2 Emo. Um, <laughs> yes, please. Kind of missed him. So, uh. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that so much. We needed the humor. <laughs> it ain't Star Wars without humor. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Well, yeah. So, what about everybody listening? We want to hear your thoughts as well. Uh, please do email us starwars at sqpn.com. You can find StarQuest on Facebook at facebook.com slash StarQuest Media. Just leave a comment there or you can tweet us at SQPN. Uh, Be sure to share the podcast with friends, family, people that you know that are watching and or Um, they can subscribe to Secrets of Star Wars basically on every major platform that you can find podcasts um, as well as SQPN YouTube channel that we mentioned at the beginning of the show. And also previous episodes can be found at sqpn.com slash Star Wars. And each and every one of us owes a big thank you to the people that make this podcast even possible. Our patrons, including Paul R., Father Anthony G., Michael P., Robert S., and Bronson. And you too can help uh, make StarQuest's mission possible by becoming a patron at sqpn.com slash give. This StarQuest show is brought to you by Tim Shevlin's personal fitness training for Catholics, providing spiritual and physical wellness through personalized nutrition, workout and prayer programs, and daily accountability check-ins. Learn more by visiting fitcatholics.com. All right, everyone. So next week, we will be taking a deeper look into, yes, what promises to be a very exciting sixth episode of Andor. Until next time, Brandon Manderson, thank you for joining us in sharing the secrets of Star Wars. Thank you. Thank you for, thank you for having me. And Andrew Hermes, it's a good to have you here as well. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Angela. It's been a pleasure. And Father Jeff Horton, thank you. And it was great to meet you. And we look forward to more with you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Glad it didn't crash and burn. So there we go. and once again i'm angela cialana thank you all for listening to the secrets of star wars on star quest here's another show on the star quest network you're sure to enjoy the secrets of star trek find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash star trek